praise the one who paid my debt. You know, I don't know everybody's story, but I, I know my God and you have a fresh start today. And it's not because it's a new year. It's not because it's the first day of the week. It's because His mercies are new every morning. You have a fresh start today, amen. He's paid your debt. Praise God. He's paid your debt, amen. This year, we're going to talk a lot about holiness and how God's called us to live a different life than the world that we're in. But first, I want to talk to you about righteousness and how right now, as you are, whether or not you make positive changes in your life, you're welcome in God's family and in God's church and in God's house. Amen. Now, good news. And so that's why we praise the one who paid our debts. Amen. Isn't God good? I just want to pray for you real quick and... Um, and then I'm going to read our scripture from Genesis 15. But let me pray for you. Would you lift up your hands? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this incredible opportunity to come to your house and to stand in your presence and to worship you today. God, we're here not because we want to tick a box, but because we want to make change in our lives. We're not here to hear just an encouraging word, but God, a word that would when applied to our lives, would transform our lives. That every week when we come to your house, we want to leave equipped and inspired and encouraged, Lord God, to live a little better, to live a little more like your plans for our lives, Lord God. And, and we come, yes, to be healed from the traumas and the dramas and the shames of weeks, months and years gone by. But God, we don't only want to be healed so that we can go back and get broken again. God, we want to be healed and equipped to live a better life. And so God, today I ask for your help to preach your word. God, and I ask for your help for hearts to receive. That God, where hearts are hard, I pray for a supernatural softening like we saw so many times in your word where you softened hearts. That they would be able to receive. God, for hearts that are broken, I pray that as your word is preached, that their hearts would begin to mend so that they could receive, so that they could live life and life abundantly. Look, God, we just commit this time to you and we ask for your help and your Holy Spirit to have your way in Jesus' name. Someone say amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, in a moment, I'm going to have you take your seats, but first I'm going to read today's scripture. We're going to Genesis chapter 15, um, verse 1, so you can start to look for that. And uh, I know some of y'all might be like, what happened to Genesis uh, 13 and 14? And we're going to get there. Um, if you're new, we're actually in a sermon series called Walking Through Genesis. Um, and uh, last time I preached, I did Genesis 12. I think that was about, oh, last time I preached on that series was about three weeks ago. And, um, and I want to encourage you to go back and listen to all of our sermons from the Walking Through Genesis sermon series. Um, but next week, I'm going to pick back up in Walking Through Genesis. Today, we just happen to be in Genesis as I preach uh, our message today. Uh, 
from Genesis 15.1. Uh, but next week is where we officially meet Abraham and Sarah, uh, or actually at that point, Abram and Sarah. Um, and, uh, and, and then so I'll be preaching on Abram and Lot next week. And the week after that, a sort of lover's triangle sort of rolls into the Word of God. Uh, it's crazy. It's, it, it's jacked up. And, uh, but we're going to talk about it anyway because it's in the Word and we don't skip over the awkward bits. Am I right? Right? We don't skip over the awkward bits, right? And so anyone out there in kind of like a lover's triangle is going to feel convicted next week. <laughs> anyone already uncomfortable? You're like, how does he know? Oh, I know. No, I don't. I'm just messing with you. There's a lot more in it than just that, all right? Uh, but that'll be in a couple of weeks. And, uh, but today I'm launching our theme for 2023, and our theme is Be Holy, all right? Now, we have a theme every year, and it's not like we um, aren't interested in holiness after 2023, like December 31st after that, that's it. We will be unholy again. And it's not like... Uh, before the 1st of January 2023, we didn't care about holiness. It's just every year, while we'll have many different guest speakers and we'll have many different sermon series uh, off topics and continue to roll through Genesis, uh, as well as that, there'll be this ongoing theme that you will hear a lot about at every special event, uh, also in many of the sermons, where we're talking about God's call to be a holy church. He, he's coming for a holy bride, amen. And, um, and so we're going to talk about that a lot. And so it's not that we didn't care or that we won't care, but that in this season, God is specifically speaking to this, this call and this need and this somewhat lack in many churches uh, and Christians in America. And so we're just praying and believing that our church would answer the call. Amen and be holy. Um, but right now, I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 15. We're going to verse 1. Um, and, um, and so if you've got that, uh, yell out, I got it. All right, people bringing their Bibles to church. Um, I like this better than, uh, than this Bible. Um, but, um, but if you brought your phone digital Bible, that's good too. You brought a Bible to church. So anytime that, I, that I'm like, bring your Bibles to church, I'm not judging you um, if you brought it on your phone, okay? But I am judging. No, no, I don't really. I don't really judge. It's not for me to judge. But um, All right, let's go. Why am I in John 15? Lucky I know where Genesis is. It's at the start, go right. It's actually page uh, 34, if you are still trying to find it. All right, you ready? Genesis 15:1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward, your, sorry, shall be very great. Isn't that cool? I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord, what shall you give me? For I continue to be childless, and the heir of my house is Eliza of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to Abram, That man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Abraham was very old and his bride was very old. Ladies and gentlemen, we're all going to get old. And at some point when someone says, you can still have a baby, you're going to be like, no, that's biologically unlikely, almost impossible now in my life, right? 
Am I right? Right? And so Abram and Sarah are way past the point where you start saying that to people. And God says, oh, and, and he still has no son. And God says, your very own son shall be your heir. And God brought Abram outside and said, look toward the heaven, number the stars. If you're able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and God counted it to him as righteousness. Heavenly Father, help us to learn from Abram today. Abram and Abraham. God, over these next couple of weeks, help us to see how you loved him, how you cared for him, how you interacted with him, spoke to him, walked with him, and how you put up with him. And I pray you help me to show your people a little bit more of your great character and love for us, desire for relationship with us, Lord God, and all that you went through and go through to be with us. Help us to receive your word, not just to hear it, but to make a choice to let it change our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen. Come on. Awesome. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to get hot in here. And you may take your seats. Do not finish the song. All right. We're going to keep it holy in here today. Can I get an amen? It's getting hot in here. So keep on all your clothes. All right. So our theme for the year is holiness, right? Um, and so, like I said, it's not that we didn't care about holiness last year. We absolutely did, right? Um, and we will absolutely next year. And, um, but but I, I, I want to see the church in America value holiness again. Um, I, I, um, we know that holiness is great. Holiness is awesome. Holiness is great. Good, uh, but in the eyes of many, it's become uncool, a bit of a drag, a bit of a Debbie Downer, um, and 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 you know maybe a little bit Ned Flandersy, a little bit un unrelevant, irrelevant to the modern world. And uh, but God's calling us to be holy, and I want to tell you, holiness. It's not irrelevant. It's not uncool. Uh, not that I would care whether it's cool or not. Uh, but it is timeless. It is powerful. It is life changing. It is fruitful. Amen. It, there's healing in holiness, and our God is calling you to holiness, and we want to make holiness great again in the eyes of believers and in the eyes of God's church, amen, and, and uh, you know, you can debate all day long about whether America was ever great, whether America could ever be great again, you can have that debate, but this is for sure the truth, America can never be great or great again if America doesn't get holy again. If America doesn't set herself apart and say, we and our nation, it starts at the base, right? Me and my house will serve the Lord and then the states and, and then the nation. Like we and our nation, we will serve the Lord. Until that happens, it won't be great. Uh-oh. Getting fire already. Going to get an email just from the, from the introduction. Now today, we're talking about righteousness and holiness, all right? Now, if you're going to talk about holiness, we need to preface it with righteousness and help you understand that they are not the same. Um, and, uh, and I want to help you understand how we're called to live and what we are, amen? Uh, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, we see Abraham, who after hearing something rather wild, crazy, out there, 
honestly impossible. Uh, most people would say that. It's impossible for me to have a child at that age. Um, and, and after hearing God make some crazy out there wild statement, Abraham, what? Believed God. Abraham believed God. And what did God do in response to Abraham believing him? God, it says God credited it to him as righteousness. And so what that means is that when Abraham believed God, God said, that makes you righteous. So what is righteousness, right? We ought to talk about that then, right? It's not something that you do. It's not something that you can go and get. It's something that you either have or do not have, sorry, it's, it's, it's something that you either are or are not. It's not something you do, it's not something you have, it's something you are or you are not, and there's no middle ground. It's not nuanced, there's no gray area, it's not debatable, you're just either righteous or you're not, and that's it. There's no one who's more righteous or less righteous. You're just righteous or you're not, okay? Now, I heard someone once say, uh, recently, actually, as I was looking into this, I read a blog. I read a billion blogs every time I'm gonna preach pretty much any sermon, and you know, half of them, I'm like, why do people who have never studied the Bible, don't understand anything about Greek or Hebrew, have blogs on theology? I'm like, just Stop. All right. Anyway, um, and so I heard one, I read one of them say that righteousness is right living. And I'm sure that they meant well in that. Um, but righteousness is, is not right living. Okay. Righteous living would be right living. But righteousness is a state of being. Righteousness is how you are in God's eyes. Righteousness is what God sees when he sees you. He either sees an unrighteous person or he sees a righteous person. And that's it. Uh, you are either in right standing with God or you are not in right standing with God. Those who are righteous are in right standing with God. Those who are unrighteous are not in right standing with God. Now, certainly we can look at individual areas of our lives and judge for ourselves. Are these areas of my life lining up with God's plans or not? Are these individual areas of my life righteous or unrighteous? But as a person, you are either righteous or not righteous, one or the other, okay? You're either in good standing with the creator of the universe, or it sucks to be you, and you're not. That's it. Come on now, there is no middle ground. And this here in Genesis chapter 15, uh, verse 6, is the first time that we see righteousness coming through faith. Where he didn't go and behave a certain way, or do a certain thing, or go a certain place, but he just believed, and God said, you're righteous. Now, Paul the Apostle uh, echoes and expands upon this in Romans. And he says, speaking of Abraham, he says, and this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. And now I'm going to do some things, but I'm still reading verbatim what it says, okay? It says, the words it was credited to him 
were written not for Abraham alone, but for us also, to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Christ Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Listen, it was not only for Abraham, but for us also, whom God will credit righteousness for us who what? Believe in him as Abraham believed in the word that God brought him. And again and again and again throughout all of scripture, we see righteousness comes from God by faith, not from me to you or you to me or anything else like that, but by faith, regardless of behavior, you are right with God by your rights now as a son or a daughter of God. In, in John 1.13, it says that they did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, not of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. God, okay? And so what we see there is that when we believed in his name, we got the right to become children of God and God made us righteousness, uh, made us righteous. Scripture talks about this thing, imputed righteousness, okay? I mentioned it a few weeks ago. Imputed righteousness, it's, it's something that is put on you and infused on you, like chrome on metal. Chrome isn't sprayed on and scraped off, it's imputed. It, it's fused to it and and so I have this imputed righteousness now that came as I believed in God and received Jesus Christ I became a son of God and I received righteousness that is my right now as a son of God come on now and you have it too you're sons and daughters of God who have the rights of sons and daughters of God and you have an imputed, a fused righteousness that God has put on you. And it's good. Now I know I'm getting all like theology and sort of preachy, I sort of teachy. I'm gonna get my preach on in a minute. Um, but before we get to holiness, I wanna set up what righteousness is, okay? And so now my kids, Judah, Eli, uh, Charlie, Zoe, and Henry, those five kids, they're my kids, okay? Now, whatever, you can take that. You can't because I'll shoot you, but, but you can try and take them. Uh, and if someone did somehow succeed in taking them, um, they'd still be my kids, not yours, okay? They're my kids. So no matter where they go, no matter what happens, they will be my kids, okay? And, and so, so whatever the behaviors they manifest, and, um, and, and my kids have done some stupid things, like, and, and, and they, they, they've been looking up to their mother, and, and, and no, one look at Instagram and you know where their stupidity comes from, right? And, um, but, but they're my kids, and, and, and so no matter what behaviors they might manifest, they're still going to be my kids. <clears throat> no matter how badly they disappoint me, they still be my kids. And no matter what they ever do, I won't disown them. They may leave me, I won't leave them. They may ridicule me, I won't ridicule them. They may hurt me, they may lie about me. They may someday do the most terrible evil things that you could possibly imagine and they will still be my kids. And as Jesus said, that's how I treat my kids and I am evil compared to God and how much better of a father God is to us. 
So any area of my fathering that you're like, that's good, and that's someone who's evil in comparison to God. He won't leave you. Do you believe in the Father and that he raised Christ from the dead? Give me a wave and say amen. amen. Come on, do you believe? Give me a wave and say amen. 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 You are righteous. If you believe God, he has credited that to you as righteous, and you are righteous. You are in good standing with God. You are in his will. Come on now. You are one of his children. You are one of the ones that James speaks about when James says that the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. He's talking about you. He did not say the prayers of the well-behaved are powerful and effective. He did not say the prayers of those who never strayed are powerful and effective. He said the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. And we know that our righteousness does not come by our behavior, what we found, what what we gave away, what we didn't give away, it comes from God. And those who believe in Him are righteous. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are righteous and your prayers are powerful and effective. Hallelujah. I don't know what you did last night, but you can still pray. I don't know what you did last year in 2022. I don't know how filthy it was or was not, but you can still pray. You can still hear from God. You can still see God move in your life. Now, no doubt, if some of the things you are doing, were doing, or plan to do are evil, God will for sure be challenging you to stop that. Come on, He loves you as you are, but He loves you so much, He ain't gonna leave you as you are. Right? It'd be like me seeing my kids, they steal things every day. They don't, but if they did, they're stealing things every day, and I'm like, oh, I love you. And then they go to the next gas station and steal again. Oh, I love you. And the next one, no, no, no. Someone says, stop stealing. Right? Come on now. But you who believe are righteous. If you died today, you'd be in heaven immediately. Scripture says to be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. People often say that what you believe is less important than what you do. That's a very worldly concept. You know, and um, what you believe is less important than what you do. It doesn't matter what you believe, doesn't matter what you think, doesn't matter what you say. What matters is what did you do? Heard that? I want to tell you that's garbage. I want to tell you that your behavior is not the most important thing. In fact, it's the least important thing when it comes to your righteousness. You're like, I came for a sermon on holiness, and this seems like the opposite. (laughs) No, listen to me. It's not what you do that counts because nothing that you do can save you. Nothing that you do can make you righteous. There is no action or inaction on earth that has or ever will be able to make you righteous. If there was something you could do, somewhere you could go, something you could say, if there was what, what level of, if there was like a behavioral level, what, what level of good behavior would qualify? It would have to be perfection, wouldn't it? The only level of good behavior that could qualify for righteousness would be perfection, right? Like God who is righteous. And and so you would all be going to hell if it was behavior based at all. What level of good behavior? You'd have to be perfect. Or maybe maybe God's just like, you know what, I'll, I'll tolerate a little bit. Well, what amount? What amount does he tolerate? What would the level of behavior have to be? Would it be your level of good behavior? 
And anyone who's just a little bit worse than you, they go to hell. And everyone who's a little bit better is like, man, why did I waste all this effort being good when I had 3% more evil I was allowed to do? Or would it be my level of good behavior, which is probably a good 15 points lower than yours? What level? Maybe it would be Lauren's level of good behavior. Apparently she's a saint. I hear people say it to me all the time. For some reason, it's usually after spending a few minutes with me, they end it with, wow, your wife must be a saint. And I don't know why. I think they're like, wow, if she got you, she must be awesome or something like that, you know? But what, what, what's the benchmark for righteousness? If it's, if it's not a level of good behavior, what action or inaction is it? What item do I have to acquire? What thing could I do? What thing do I have to not do? What one sin do I have to avoid uh, or, or, or to be called righteous? Or what place do I have to go? What if I can't afford to go there? Is salvation only for those who can afford to go there? Or is it only for those who give away everything? Is salvation only for the poor? Who is salvation for? No, 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 it's not what you do. It's not what you don't do. It's not where you go. It's not where you don't go. It's not what you have. It's not what you don't have that makes you righteous. Only what you believe can make you right with God. Come on, only what you believe can make you right with God. That's it. That's it. Nothing else. God is that good. Can I get an amen? Do you believe? Come on, do you believe God? Amen. Do you believe that God raised Christ from the dead? Yes? Then you're right with God. You can pray for deliverance. You can pray for His help in your times of need. You can pray for His provision in your life because He's Jehovah Jireh. You can pray for your children that God would put a hedge of protection around their lives because you're righteous, because you believed God. You can pray that Jehovah Rapha would heal your body and heal your kids. You can pray for victory over your sin, for victory over your trials in your life, the persecutions and the struggles and the pains, and God is listening. Come on, could someone righteous give Lord some praise today? Hallelujah. Could someone who's righteous, because your prayers are powerful and effective. And I know that's a hard one to swallow. And I know some people might be like, hold up, wait a minute, put a little truth in it. Well, that is the truth. That's it right there. You're righteous and your prayers are powerful and effective. That's it. That's the truth right there. See, here's the thing. Like, it's easy for a church. See, we're going to talk about holiness and we care a lot about doing the right thing, saying the right thing, standing up for truth and all of that gear. And sometimes there's this, um, there's this, there's this um, uh, pull when you, when, you, when you focus on that where people forget about this gift of righteousness that God has given us that even in spite of our bad behavior, we're still righteous anyway people forget about that and and as a church that values truth and good behavior we want to make sure that we never forget where our righteousness came from all those things are good but our righteousness did not come as a result of them i'm sure there's a sweetness that comes in the room because of them but our righteousness didn't come because of them see just like my kids and my kids no matter what i still have 
very real and very much communicated expectations on them. They're Newmans, but they need to behave a certain way anyway. You're righteous, absolutely, but you need to behave a certain way because of it. See, I love my kids, and I will still discipline them. And uh, God loves you. And what does Scripture say? God does what? God disciplines those what? That He loves. And so because God loves you, He disciplines you. See, because my parents loved me, they disciplined me. Who got the strap growing up, right? Anyone got that? Hands up. Give me, put your hand up if you got the strap, right? Do you look back and you're like, I, I'm still debating whether or not my parents abused me as a child. Just trying to figure that out. There was a bit of physical abuse. Anyone else, like, right? By today's standards, at least, right? Um, and so, anyway, uh, I'm grateful because I turned out somewhat decent. And, um, and, and, and so we're, you know... But, um, but my parents, they did discipline me. And did anyone get the thing where the, your dad would, like if you did something bad with your hands, they would get the strap, roll it up, and then hold it like this, and then like snap with your fingers in the middle? Anyone get that one? Yeah, I actually think that one was all fear because it barely hurt. Yeah. I'm like, if maybe if it was the flash, that might have hurt a lot more. But uh, that one was all noise and, and no, no bite. All bark, no bite. But, uh, but we pretended it hurt like anything. <laughs> See, the Newmans are Newmans no matter what. So now I ask them to behave like Newmans. And so God expects that His grace and His righteousness that He's given to us to bear fruit in our lives. See, I said your behavior is not the most important thing, but what you believe is. Absolutely. But just, as, just like my kids and humans, no matter what, I still expect them to bear fruit in their lives. That being a Newman would make them different to other people. They were Newmans, they are Newmans, and they're becoming more Newmanly every day. All right? That every day. <clears throat> you just watch our Instagrams and you'll see our kids are becoming more like their father every day, much to their mother's horror. And, uh, but, but it's happening, right? And uh, see, there's an old saying, you were saved, you are saved, and you're being saved. You know, right? And uh, it comes from the idea of sanctification. You were sanctified, you are sanctified, and you're being sanctified. What's that mean? Well, you are righteous, God said so. So he, he's done that. You were, you were sanctified, so you are sanctified. And because of that, you're being sanctified. So you, you're becoming better at, at, at living out on earth that which God spiritually has already said you are, right? Now, the becoming, that's holiness. That's the outworking of your righteousness, Holiness and righteousness are not the same thing. Righteousness is your state with God. I am right with God. But then God tells me that I am to live holy. 1 Peter 1.15 says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And so he's, he's made us righteous. Awesome. Now he's saying, now be holy. Now do something with that. Don't just sit there and sit in that. Do something with 
that. So what does holiness mean? Okay, It means a few things, and uh, it means all of them always. It means that we set apart, that's called out, right? That, 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 so, so, so there's a big group of people, and we've been called out and set apart apart from them, okay? Uh, we're uncommon, that's different. We're, we're not like them anymore. And we have been consecrated, uh, uh, designated to live for the Lord. So I want to roll through those for you. Uh, and then I want to tell you uh, a pretty quick process on how you can become those things uh, better in your life, see them outworked in your life better. Uh, but first, I want to start with set apart and called out, right? Now, we were in the world, right? This was the world. We, we were in there. Actually, it's where my pulpit is. We're going to go over here, all right? <clears throat> this is the world, okay? We were in that like everybody else. We were going the same way as the world. We had no hope like the world has no hope. We were anxious like the world is anxious. We were lost like the world is lost. We, we felt emptiness like the world feels, feels emptiness. We, we feared everything going on in the world because the world and everything in it was our God. And so when the world and everything in it is in chaos and drama and, 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 and terror, then we are in chaos and drama and terror. And, and we were in that mess, but, but now we've been called out of that and we've been set apart. And, and they're in chaos and they're in a mess, but I am called out of that and set apart over here, all right? And so I'm living a different life now over there. I don't have the same anxieties and fears and hopelessness and emptiness and, and, and sort of wandering sort of soul that, 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 that they have because I've been called out of that and I've been set apart from that. And, and I've got to make sure now that since I've been called out of that, that I don't still live like that over here. Because I'm called to be uncommon. I'm called to be different than that. And too many Christians want to be in that mess and they, they, want, to, they want to be called out of that. Yay, we've been called out of this and we're going to come over here and live exactly the same over here as we did there. So all they are is called out, but they're not uncommon and they're not different. You've been called out to be different. You've been, <coughs> you've been set apart to be uncommon. You're not like the world. We aren't supposed to be the same as the world. People should notice not just this. They shouldn't look and be like, oh, they're over there. and we're... No, 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 no. When they get near us, they should be like, oh, you're different. Oh, you're not coming. Oh, you're, I think the church needs to get weird again. Right? The church grew so much in the early few hundred years because of signs and wonders and miracles. And they were different and they lived different and they acted different and they behaved different and they were weird. And now the world, the, the church is like the world, and so it's declining in, in many areas of the world, and, and its influence is lost. And, and I think the key is we got to get weird again. Make the church weird again. Amen? 
But we should have different views because we look at everything that's happening in the world through the lens of the Word of God. And we're like, God warned us that people would put evil for good and bitter for sweet and right for wrong. God warned us of that. God told us they would hate us. God showed us that we could be healed. God told me how to manage my finances. God told me how to manage my family. And and we got to be uncommon and different again. The church used to value holiness. They used to love it. They used to to treasure the idea that somebody could get saved out of chaos and anxiety and brokenness and debauchery and drunkenness and addiction and and, and homosexuality and, and confusion and they could get saved into freedom. But for so many believers now, we're like, you're going to be saved out of chaos into chaos, but with a new Spotify playlist. Still, your life's still gonna suck, but you're gonna have nice music. No! It's supposed to be for, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Amen? Called out, set apart, uncommon. But so often the church is afraid to be different. We're like, we, we don't want to be too different. I know the, I know the church says to, to, to run your family different than the world. And, and, the, you know, and, and somehow you've got to admit that, yeah, the Bible does say, wives, submit to your husbands. So they just ignore that and explain it away and be like, well, what he meant was wives breathe. <laughs> like we water everything down, try and explain everything away. No, we're called to be different. We're called to be different. For so long, the church has stopped caring about holiness, and all we wanted to do was focus on our righteousness, that we're good with God. Oh, no matter what you do, you're good with God. Cool, you're righteous. Your behavior doesn't matter. Yes, it does. It does matter. And it does matter to God. He didn't just like, right, be holy and then be like, you know, that was just for them. But they didn't have the pressures you have in 2023. No, no, listen, a Christian who just sits back in their righteousness and acts like holiness doesn't matter is like a, is like a trust fund baby. They're useless. They never do anything. They never try anything. They never advance anything. They never help anyone or anything. They're they're not making any good change in the world. They're not making any good noise in the world. They're just getting drunk and smoking weed in daddy's mansion without a care or worry in the world. You're not called to live like that. Resting on your right. No, 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 no. Your righteousness is a great place to rest when you mess up, but you should not stay sitting there going like, well, I'm fine now. No, you're called to be holy and righteous. You are righteous. Now let it bear some fruit in your life. I don't just want my kids to be Newmans. I want them to be good at being Newmans. I don't just want you to be a man. I want you to be good at being a man. Like you are a man. You know the whole be a man? You are a man. That's it. You might suck at it, which doesn't mean you should become a woman, by the way. It means you should find a good man and say, help me be better at being a man. Right? We got to stop this whole thing. Well, I'm not good at it, so I get no, 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 no. Get better at it. Let's get better at it. 
Find someone to help you while knowing because of righteousness that whether you're good at it or not, you're still it. You're still a man. And, 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 and you, you may not be great at being holy, but whether you are or not, you, you're still a believer. You're still a son of God, but let's not give up on the journey. Let's be holy, all right? I want them to be good at being Newmans. I want them to act like Newmans. Newmans don't get drunk. Newmans don't lie. Newmans don't steal. Newmans don't cheat. Come on. Newmans do the right thing even when no one's watching. Newmans don't break their iPhones on purpose so they can get a free one from the Apple insurance. I went to the Apple store a while back with a problem with my phone and, um, and the, 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 the front screen was broken, the back screen was not, but the issues inside it didn't work and, and, and it wasn't the screen that was the problem, it was just a later addition to the problems. And then I go in and they're like, well, if the back was broken, we'd replace it. And I'm like, well, the back's not broken. And they were like, well, the, the diagnostics says that there's no problem with your phone. And I'm like, yeah, but you can see that there is with your eyeballs, can't you? And they're like, I can see that, yes. And I'm like, you can see that I cannot send text messages. Can you see that? They're like, I can see that, yes. But the diagnostic says, and, they're like, and I'm like, so, all right, they're saying the machine says it works, but I can see that it doesn't work, but the machine says it does, so we're not helping you. And I'm like, and then they go, if the back of it was broken, we could replace the whole thing. Well, I'm not going to go home and smash the back and then go to a different Apple store so I can get one because God's watching and humans don't behave that way. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so many people think righteousness is something that we, sorry, that, that holiness is something that we do when people are watching. Holiness is something we do when God's watching. And he's watching everywhere but the shower. All right, he's watching you in the shower. <laughs> That's a weird thing to say, though. Newmans are bold. Newmans know how to hunt. I teach my kids to hunt. That's part of being a Newman. You're going to know how to provide. You're going to know how to kill things and eat it and gut it. You're going to know how to do that. That's what we do. My, my daughter, like, she, she's excited to go hunting, and she's the tiniest little princess ever. She's like, oh, my God. Like, she can totally turn on princess like that, and in a few weeks, months, or years, maybe in about a couple of years, she's also going to have a little switch where she just boom, gut things, blood and gut, right? Newmans know how to do that. It's just something we do. Newmans are kind. Newmans are compassionate. Newmans love the truth. Newman boys hold doors open for women. Newman boys still love chivalry and not just the part of it that's about women, but the rest of it about honor. Newman girls value dignity over good looks. Though thank God they're good looking too, and I like that. But dignity first. Sure, when they mess up, they're still Newmans, but the expectation doesn't change. It's time for the church to show the world how great holiness is because what they got ain't working. Wouldn't you agree? When you look at the world, you're like, wow, it's going great. Right? No one. It doesn't even matter if you're on the left or the right. No one on either side of the politic, the word, um, are saying things are going wonderful in the world, right? And what they're doing out there, what the world is doing, is not working. And so it's time to do holiness again. Amen? Time to be consecrated to service of the Lord. Our lives are supposed to be lived in a way that serves God 
that serves God's purposes. Sorry, amen. And so, um, so I want to share you share with you um, uh, four real quick points on how to let your righteousness bear fruit in holiness. Okay, um, it'll be pretty quick. Um, I did it quick last night. I can do it quick for you. And so the first one I, we talked about at the start, right, is believe the right things. So believe God, believe the right things, and so read the Word of God. Read the Word of God and believe it. There are so many people out there trying to deconstruct the Word of God. They're trying to deconstruct the principles that we have believed in the church for thousands of years. Like all of a sudden, they are the enlightened one that knows that actually we don't have to live like that anymore, right? No. No, 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 no. And, and, and the outworking of that has been fear and shame and chaos and destruction where the world is so confused. And what this whole deconstruction, what it really is, is rebellion. What it is, is they say they're coming against uh, evangelical Christianity or any form of Christianity that actually demands that we live a better life. What it really is, is I don't want to change and so I will not submit to any authority in my life. I will be my own God, I'll be my own pastor, I'll be my own teacher, I'll be my own disciple maker. I will make the decisions. They will not submit. This whole deconstruction thing, it's just a whole bunch of angry people that refuse to submit to any authority in their lives and they do not want to submit to the Word of God either because it demands something of them and they want to be a trust fund baby. It just sits back and does whatever the heck they want. No, 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 no. That's why it's so important that we preach the Word of God it's being attacked right now. We've got to preach the Word of God. We've got to lift it up as the supreme authority in our lives and teach it so people understand that, that it is still powerful, life-changing, amen? So read your Bibles. Believe your Bible. Be in church and hear the Word of God. Study the Word of God and believe God when He speaks. Number two, from believe to think on the right things. Philippians 4, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, lovely, uh, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if something is praiseworthy, think about these things. And I want to think about the right things, all right? And so it's so easy to get distracted thinking about the wrong things and, and meditating and dwelling on all the drama and all the pain and all the fears and all oh, Ukraine and Russia and China and Taiwan and Hong Kong and, 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 and Washington, D.C. and California and, and, and New York and all these other... And we, we, our minds get overwhelmed with all this stuff that we were never designed to carry. And we're not supposed to know everything that's going on in the entire world, but we've got these devices in our pockets that tell us everything everything that's going on in the entire world and it's too much weight to carry. It's too much for our minds. We weren't supposed to know that. We weren't supposed to fear what's happening in Afghanistan. We're supposed to know what's going on around us and take care of those around us and send people on the mission field all around the world. We got to think on the right things. And Psalm 1, blessed is the one whose counsel, who does not walk in the way of the wicked or stand in the way of sins or sin in the market, but his delight is in the what? His delight is in the law of the Lord. But what does he do with it? It says he meditates on it day and 
night, not once a month, not once a year, but every morning, every night, every day, he meditates on the Word of God. He's thinking about it. He's chewing on it all day. He's processing the truths and the instructions and the, and, 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 and the, um, and the comforts that he finds in the Word of God. And, and so I would tell you one way to prepare your mouth to speak right and your body to do right would be to meditate right, to think right, right? We so often practice how we will respond to people, right? Like you ever been in a fight with your wife and then as you're driving away, you're like, and I should say, and then she'll say, and I'll be like, and she'll say, blah. Then you get there and they're like, okay. And you're like, that's not how I played that out, right? But you're ready for a fight, so you fight. Right, we, we practice these scenarios. And this morning I was sitting in the steam room at the gym, and um, uh, um, which I'm still sweating from, but, but I was sitting in the steam room at the gym and I found myself um, <clears throat> practicing a scenario in my head. What if some dirt bag locks the door while I'm in the steam room? And so I'm in there and I've got a plan now. And my plan was, to whip this other guy's towel off, wrap it around the nozzle of the, um, that, that puts the steam out, and then to say to the other two guys, now we've together, we've got to run and dash at the, the glass bricks and we'll get through it together. But I had a plan, right? And you laugh, but every dude has a plan, right? Like most of you have a plan. What is with Mad Dog Mattis, right? Smile, but have a plan to kill everybody, right? And um, is that, was that the quote, right? Mad Dog Mattis? Yeah, something like that. And, and so like most men um, and, and the ones who, who, who don't lift their hand are probably not for sure, but probably lying. Most men have a plan for how to shoot a bad guy in your house. Like we, we lay down at night and we play in this, this scenario out in our head where the bad guy is in the house and we've figured out, well, I know the angle, I gotta come down the stairs, I gotta come like this, and then I'm gonna pop a cap in that bad guy, and then I'm gonna be around that corner, I'm gonna be down, and, and we, 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 we men, we know what we're gonna do because we played it out in our heads. Hands up, men, if that's true, and you've, you've played it out in your heads, right? Look around the room. Don't lie to me, the rest of you. Like, you've played it out, right? And, and, and why? For two reasons. Number one, because there's a very weird part of every man that wants it to happen one day. And, um, but, but also, so that if it does happen, we could maybe respond a little better because we planned it out. And we walked it out, right? <clears throat> and it's like that with the truths that we find in the Word of God. What we can spend so much time planning out an argument with our wives and so little time planning out how to respond in a godly fashion. So I would encourage you as you read the Word of God and, you, and, it, and it relates to a situation in your life, start to plan it out, act it out. And this time in your head, be gracious. Plan out how to forgive. 70 times seven. And then they offend you again and you forgive them again. And in your scenario, in your head, walk it out all the way to the end. And then you, all of a sudden they get saved and you're like, wow. You know, plan it out. So, and practice, right? This is what meditating does. We're meditating on the word of God and planning it out. How would this apply to my life and how would I do this? Instead of just always thinking about how to pop caps in bad guys. 
although that's fun and keep doing it, but do this too. Can I get an amen? amen? And then when you've been meditating on those things, God willing, you're going to start thinking, I'm sorry, start speaking about the right things. What comes out of a man. Now that wasn't saying that, um, that, um, that what you do doesn't matter. It's talking about how people were arguing over what, does what we eat make us unclean or not? And the concept was, it's not what goes in, it's what comes out, right? And so, so how are you behaving? What are you doing with your life? What are you speaking about? And I think it's time that, we, that, that, that the world notices that we speak about different things than they do. You know, um, I don't want to get, like me personally, I've been over the last couple of years toning down my Australian language and picking up a bit more on this more uh, sanctified American language where we don't use bad words. Um, and that's been healthy for my kids. It'll help them not get expelled from the school. And so they're, they're, learn, they're learning better language. But, um, but, 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 but to be clear though, speaking about the right things is less about the vocabulary you use and more about the things that we speak about. What do we speak about all the time? Is it just things that bring fear, things that bring chaos, things that, or are we speaking about things that lift up, things that are full of hope? Uh, are we talking about forgiveness? Are we talking about revenge all the time? You know, what are we talking about all the time? You know, we, we, people should be able to hang out with us, and if they were blind, they would hear that we are a different people. How does a blind man know that you're different? Because he hears the things that you speak about are different than the things everybody else is speaking about because you're called out of this to live this, amen? And then the last one, to quote Starsky and Hutch, is just do it. Do it. Can someone say, do it? Do it. Can I say it again, do it? Right, do it. I quoted that, 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 um, that, that, those verses from Philippians 4. Well, verse 9 concludes it with, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Do it. Do it. And the God of peace will be with you. Why don't I have peace? Because you do stupid things. You know, they say everything happens for a reason. That's true. Sometimes that reason is you did stupid things, right? The, the, the less toned down way that people say it to me is sometimes um, everything happens for a reason. Sometimes it's because you're an idiot. Um, but like, it's because like just if you do dumb things, dumb things happen. Practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen. Do these things and the God of peace will be with you. Do it. You are called to be holy not just to believe right, not just to think right, but not just to speak right, but to do good also, to do right. Jesus goes on and he says, uh, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its taste, how shall, it be, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world and a city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 
Now, I know Scripture talks about do, don't do your good works before just to be seen by men, right? And I think that's talking about to be given accolades by men. If you're doing the things that you do that are good purely to, give, to get accolades from men, you are wasting your time. That, that, that is self-serving. But if you're doing your good works so that men will see them and glorify the Lord, giddy up, let's go, right? <clears throat> he says that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let them see your good works works. Now, let me be clear. It is good based on what the Word of God says is good, not good based on what the world says is good, okay? It's not saying, hey, do things that the world says is good. No, do things that God says is good, and they will see that God's good produces good fruit in your life, and they'll want it, and they'll give their lives to Christ, and they'll glorify the Lord. Don't do good works that the world says are good. That's doing good works for their accolades. I want to do what is right, amen, what is good in the eyes of God, not in the eyes of a world that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter and right for wrong and wrong for right and evil for good and good for evil. Not in their eyes. I'm not trying to do what's good in the eyes of a world that doesn't even know what a woman is anymore. I want to do what's right in the eyes of of the Lord and His Word, amen? And as I do that, all right, as I do that, as I live this different life, as I live this set-apart life, as I live this uncommon life that, that, that comes out of believing right and thinking right and speaking right and doing right, they will notice that there is a fruitfulness in my life, that though they mock me, though they ridicule me, though they, though they try to cancel me, they can see that in spite of all of it, my heart is full of hope full of peace, full of joy, and they'll want what I've got, and they'll have no choice but at some point to bow their knees and say, I need that. Lord, I give you my life. That's how I'm called to live. It will only happen if we're the salt and the light, not the sugar and the spice. So many churches, so many people, I've been there too, just want to be the sugar and the spice and so we have churches and believers all across America with spiritual diabetes. And it's time for Jehovah Rapha to come and heal them in the name of Jesus. Because that's not working. We have more things than we've ever had before in our lives. We've got iPads. Even my Bible was worth $150. This is like $4 or 87 if you're at Cinemark. I've got a phone in my pocket, glasses on my head. I've got a nice jacket. Some of your underwear is worth more than people's entire wardrobe in another country. And yet in spite of having all of that, the world's got more, sorry, it's particularly the, the worldly people in America, they've got more freedom than ever before. They can do whatever they want. They can think they are whatever they are. They, they're, they're, they're allowed to demand kitty litter in a school because they're a cat or whatever. They were, all the, and, and, and yet they're killing themselves more than they've ever killed themselves before. And they're more anxious than they've ever been before. They're more suicidal than they've ever been before. They're, they're more depressed than they've ever been before. They're more unhappy than they have ever been in the history of America. And so all that isn't working. And we need to show them like a city on a hill that there is a better way to live.
and they'll see it when we be holy. See, otherwise we're just, we're like, well, we're righteous. Trust fund babies, reveling in that knowledge and doing nothing with it. Don't be useless to the kingdom of God. It's time to live in service of the Lord, consecrated to the Lord. But listen, the cool thing about living your life for God's purposes is He's the one who created you and gave you purpose. So in that, you'll be living your purpose and you will be fulfilled more than you ever could be out there. And the holes in your heart will be full and you'll have joy and you'll have peace. Now you'll for sure have some struggle here and there, some trials, but our God is the God of victory. Amen. I'm going to pray for you in a moment. I'm going to open the front for prayer. And I know there are people, they were last night and they will be, will be today. The Lord is speaking to you. And it's just like, you know what? It's just time to be different. Some of you have some sin in your life that needs to stop. We're not supposed to be like the world. We don't just try to hide it. In fact, in here, they hide it because they're ashamed. In here, it's sharing it that removes the shame. It's the opposite where you've been going to some club you weren't supposed to be visiting, come and get prayer and ask God to help you heal. You've been getting drunk. You've been smoking stuff you shouldn't. Here it is. Is smoking pot sin? Well, it's illegal, so yes. And that being illegal does not go against the Word of God. And number two, it, it changes who you are when you're on it. It's not like you have a sip of some, a beer or something and then it'd be like having a sip of beer and then instantly drunk. That's what pot does. So don't do it. The principle of drunkenness and debauchery is the same with weed as it is with alcohol. Except worse because it's a hit that does it straight away. So don't do it. Little Little education for you. Don't do it if you want to live a good life, put it that way, a productive life. All right, don't do it. My own brother, his life has been destroyed by it, absolutely destroyed by it. My kids know the story. But is there anything in your life, stuff you're looking at, places you're going, thoughts you're having? It's time to be holy and take it seriously. Yes, you're righteous. Praise God, you're still accepted. But also, God expects you to change these things. He doesn't just expect you to do it on your own, though. He will help you. So we're going to open the front for prayer in a moment, and I want to invite you to come down and get prayer, okay? Um, our team won't tell anyone or say anything to anyone. They won't come and tell me. Do you know what Billy Bob came and got prayer for? They won't tell me, all right? And so um, they won't tell me that you were supposed to do your homework, but then you got high. They, they won't tell me. They'll just pray for you, okay? And believe for healing. Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. So there's some power in confession. So, all right, but before we do that, you can all stand up. We will close this in three minutes. By the way, when we open the front for prayer, you can come for prayer for anything too. Finances, marriage, healing, relationships, anything. And we're not going to assume that you're the one who came down here because you've been getting high. I was going to go to work. And I did because I didn't get high. There we go. Okay, so we're not going to make any assumptions. Now, 
before we open the front for prayer, I just wanna ask you if you're away from God. So if you're in this place and you don't know God or you've never had a friendship with God, I want you to pray a prayer and give your life to Christ. Scripture says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that you will be saved. What's that mean? You are righteous. Son or daughter of God, right there, right then. Even though you did what you did and said what you said and were planning to do what you do. Uh, I, I heard someone once say that when God makes you righteous, He did it knowing what you were gonna do tomorrow and took, took your stupid decisions that were about to happen into account when He made you righteous anyway. Hello, right? And so it doesn't mean that you'll be perfect. Uh, it doesn't mean that you'll never make any mistakes again. What it means is that you will be a son of God or a daughter of God in spite of your behavior. And then He's gonna help you to live a holy life, live the life that He designed for you. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.